Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We have yet another very interesting religious freedom case going to the Supreme Court of the United States, albeit we don't know yet if the court is going to hear it. Our guest today is my friend, Attorney Jim Hochberg, Counsel of Record for the Aloha Bed and Breakfast. Jim, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thanks for having me. What on earth did this bed and breakfast do that uh, somehow got all the way to the Supreme Court? So that's a really good question because it never should have gone anywhere. Basically, Phyllis, my client, has a bed and breakfast that she uses the name Aloha Bed and Breakfast. It's in her home. She and her husband are grandparents. They have a, an empty four-bedroom home where they raise their kids there. And so in order to, you know, help make ends meet, they rent one, two, or maybe three of the spare rooms, because obviously they use one themselves full-time. And the length of stay varies from six months down to a week. And basically, they've been doing this for quite a long time. The interesting thing is, Phyllis has been a licensed realtor in Hawaii since 1990. And so she was very well aware of state law with respect to discrimination in real estate. And state law in 2007, when she got a call from a same-sex couple asking to stay together in a bedroom with one bed in her house, being a, a Christian woman, she politely, actually very politely, uh, let the ladies know that she was very uncomfortable with that, but that she had a friend in the neighborhood that also had a bed and breakfast that she could refer them to, that they could be accommodated there. Did I hear you so, say 2007 this case arose out of 2007? Yes, sir. And we're 11 years later, and it's still been going on all these years. It has, and I'm not much of a golfer, but I think that qualifies for par for the course. <laughs> oh, my. Well, the so, wheels of so justice are turning rather slowly, well, okay. or injustice in this case. Well, and, and remember, though, during the entire time up until 2013, there was a political, legal issue going around in the state of Hawaii called, were we going to have same-sex marriage or not? This was five years before we actually ended up with same-sex marriage. But at the time of these events in 2017, it was a open question in the legislature, in the courts, and all that. Right. You mean 27? 2007. 2007. Right. Okay. So, so essentially she declined politely, graciously, you said, she declined to do a short-term rental in her own home of a room to a same-sex couple, and some court decided this was a public accommodation that uh, she can't do that. It runs afoul of, is it housing discrimination laws or just general public accommodations laws? See, that's the heart of the issue from the very beginning. In Hawaii, if the same-sex couple wants to use the state to enforce their rights, they go to the Civil Rights Commission. 
right? From the very first response that I filed to the complaint with the Civil Rights Commission, I explained to the Civil Rights Commission the same-sex couple was asking the state to apply a public accommodations statute, which applies to hotels, motels, and inns. But what law should have been applicable was the discrimination in real estate transactions, which provides if you live in your home and you rent four or fewer rooms, you're exempt from the prohibition against discriminating. From the very beginning, the state of Hawaii took the side of the same-sex couple, spent several years doing nothing, which is typical, and then sent it out to the court system. So on the day that the same-sex couple filed the complaint in court, the Hawaii Civil Rights Commission filed a motion to intervene as a plaintiff. So throughout the entire litigation, the state of Hawaii has been suing Phyllis under the hotel law when there's an equal and more specifically applicable exemption law that she should have been afforded. And remember I said, she's a licensed realtor. She knew that the Mrs. Murphy exemption applied to her in her home. She also knew that it did not apply in her other real estate transaction things, including when she represented buyers or sellers or when she rented her own separate condo that neither she nor her husband lived in. So she was very well aware in 2007 of the law. And she was very well aware that the law provided her with this exemption. So let me take a step back for a second, Jim, because, you know, the first such case that I ever got apprised of when I came to work in religious liberty here in California in 1995 or 94 was the case here in California, Evelyn Smith case against the state of California. And she was the owner of four duplex apartments in the city of Chico, California, which is kind of on the borders of where the the campfire is currently raging as we're sitting here recording um, next door to Paradise, California, home to a California State University that uh, did restrict married student housing to heterosexual couples. But um, she, you know, was prosecuted. And at the time, it was an unmarried couple, not a same-sex couple. At the time, the debate raged among many of us. Well, where do you draw the line? Where should the law be? It shouldn't apply to the small person who has, you know, renting a few rooms in their home or just a few apartments. You know, how do you draw the line? Well, Hawaii apparently has drawn the line and said, if you're renting rooms in your home up to four rooms, you're exempt. So that's a pretty narrow line drawing because you've said that if she had one condo outside of her home and rented that, that would be subject to the non-discrimination law. And she operates it that way. But there's a very critical point that you're missing, and that is the reason the state of Hawaii came up with this exemption if you live in your home is HUD, Housing and Urban Development, provides funds to states to enforce anti-discrimination laws in housing if the state housing law mirrors HUD law. And HUD says, if you live in your home and you rent fewer than five rooms, you're exempt. That's the reason Hawaii did it, not because the Hawaii legislature thought it was fair. They just wanted the money from the feds. Hey, you know, okay. I'm just saying, you know, 
we need to think about where these lines are drawn, because certainly we don't want, you know, whether it's gay landowners who have, you know, a large apartment buildings saying we're not going to rent to Christians. You know, it's against our religion to rent to Christians any more than we want Christians to be able to own large apartment buildings and, and exclude people, you know, on the basis of, of their personal relationships. So hence the illogic of the highest court in Hawaii's ruling. Intermediate Court of Appeals ruled in Phyllis's case is, and this was in 2018, 10 years after the litigation issue got started, this came into play. The Intermediate Court of Appeals said, well, the Mrs. Murphy exemption does apply if you live in your home and you rent four or fewer rooms, but not if you're acting like a hotel. So in order to be exempt, you have to rent for 30 days or more, which is completely illogical because that means visitors coming to Hawaii have access to temporary housing, but landlords who live in their homes and rent to non-visitors 30 days or more, they actually can put residing in the state of Hawaii prospective tenants out of housing because they're there for more than 30 days. That wasn't very clear, but what I'm saying is, for instance, in the same-sex community, Phyllis, for any reason or no reason, could perpetually prohibit same-sex couples from renting in her house if it was 30 days or more, which would be more hurtful to Hawaii residents than she's forced to allow short-term vacationing same-sex couples to stay in their house. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, you know, and it's so silly because then you just make every contract for 30 days with a, uh, you know, ability to, to cancel early without a cancellation fee, you know, and so then you get around it that way. No, it is pretty silly, and obviously it wasn't the way the law was written. So at this point, I gather you filed the cert petition, so what is it that you're hoping the Supreme Court will do? Well, what we're hoping the Supreme Court will do is say, hey, Hawaii, you can't add a new condition to the Mrs. Murphy law 10 years after the events occurred and apply them to Phyllis from events that happened 10 years before this requirement of 30 days or more got created by the court. So what we want them to do is vacate the Hawaii process and apply the Mrs. Murphy statute. They're not that interested in picking between two state statutes, but due process prohibits the state from changing the rules 10 years after the events occurred and having Phyllis stung with uh, punitive damages and all kinds of really heavy penalties in Hawaii, when as a realtor, she knew what the state of the law was on the day she politely declined. Well, and, you know, I suspect that with the um, with the the shift of the court to being more conservative, and with Justice Kennedy, well, even if if Justice Kennedy was still there, uh, you know, he seemed to, on the one hand, want to extend rights as he did in Obergefell, extend rights to the same sex community, but he also expressed the desire to protect those who hold traditional religious views and. You know, to me, this is an interesting case where the court has an opportunity to to start to show its its true colors 
Well, did it mean what it said? You know, when Kennedy said, you know, the right to to have traditional beliefs is still protected. And, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I was doubtful when I read it in Obergefell. You know, it's one thing to say your beliefs are protected. Another thing to say that you can live and act according to those beliefs. Uh, do you have any uh, uh, sense of where the court might go with this? You know, I, I don't. I think the Sixth Circuit got it right in the uh, university nursing student case where they said that tolerance has to be a two-way street. And since it's been a requirement of the law to have an actual damage up until the, the same-sex issues, the LBGT stuff came along where hurt feelings was good enough, these plaintiffs actually came to Hawaii, they had a stay, and uh, perhaps tolerance is a two-way street is an appropriate response. I don't know, though. I really don't. Well, it remains to be seen. We will certainly keep our eyes on this case. Aloha Bed and Breakfast against Diane Cervelli. And I can't pronounce this name. Is it Tycho Buford? Yes. Tycho, um, yes. Okay. Um well, uh, Jim, as we know, the Supreme Court takes very few cases, so we don't know what they'll do with this one, but it's always a long shot. But we appreciate very much your advocacy, and, and thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Well, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you again. As we close, friends, we want to remind you that we don't just talk about religious freedom here at Freedom's Ring. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Freedom's Ring is available on SoundCloud, so check out our SoundCloud radio station and also on iTunes. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>